Loss of love, especially in relationships, is one of the causes of great pain in everyone's life. Today, we'll be looking at how to make love fresh again. This message is the seventh in the series, Fresh. The message is entitled, Fresh Love, Part 1. Here is Pastor Dale O'Shields. Well, grab your Bibles, if you will, and your teaching sheets as we turn our attention to God's Word this morning. We want to take a moment and welcome our live Frederick audience, Frederick congregation, all the folks in Frederick. Come on, Gaithersburg, let's give them a good welcome. So glad to see you folks today in church and Frederick County as we're here in Montgomery County, Gaithersburg. It's great to be able to worship together and amazing technology that we can be together in a church family uh, spread out just about 30 miles apart. So it's glad, we're glad to be together today in our time of teaching. I'm involved in a series of messages called Fresh, and I want to talk to you this weekend about fresh love in your life. In fact, this is going to be a two-part message. We'll continue next week talking about this same theme, and I want to help us to understand how to refresh, how to experience the refreshing or renewing of love in our relationship, not only with God, but also with one another. I don't love you anymore. Those are words that are sometimes heard in a marriage relationship, in a romantic relationship, and maybe they're not always said in friendships, but sometimes the event of, I don't love you anymore, is, is very evident between even friends. Something comes in between two people, and over a period of time, what, was, what used to be warm and what used to be a sense of camaraderie and connection is buried, it disappears. The feelings that used to be there are not there any longer. And so the words come out, I don't love you anymore, or the actions come out, I don't love you anymore. And when those words are spoken or those actions are, 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 are prevalent in a relationship, it's a very painful kind of thing. It hurts to hear that. It hurts to feel that. And the question is, how do we make sure that that kind of thing doesn't happen? How do we make sure that we don't get to the place in the key relationships of our life where we are feeling that I don't love you anymore kind of feeling and experiencing those I don't love you anymore dimensions of breakdown and commitment? How do we avoid getting there? And if we are there, how do we get back to where we need to be? How do we refresh love in our lives? And the Bible is very clear in helping us to understand that love is not something that just happens. Love is something that has to be nurtured. That love will never be sustained in any relationship unless there's certain activities that go along with it, such as a fire in a fireplace will not continue to burn unless someone continues to stoke the fire and place firewood on the fire. The same is true when it comes to love. Love cannot be sustained without certain actions. You have to stoke the fires of love. You have to feed the fires of love for love to be strong. The Bible is very clear about us understanding how to do this, and I want you to read with me Hebrews chapter 10, verse number 24, because the writer of Hebrews, inspired by the Holy Spirit, gets to the heart of this matter with these words, and let's read them together, aloud and loudly, all the folks in Frederick Gaithersburg as well. Here we go. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Would you please notice what that says? Let us consider. That's the first word to pay attention to. To consider is to give careful consideration of, to think about, put some energy into the process. Let us consider how to, notice this word, stimulate. That word means to rouse up, it means to awaken, it means to bring to life, it means to stir up. Notice we're to think about, put energy into, stimulating, rousing up, awakening, bringing to life, stirring up one another to do what? To, to love. 
to love and good deeds, to actually love one another. So love has to be stirred up. Love has to be nurtured. It does not stay strong without our active involvement. And you are responsible, and I am responsible, for stirring up love in our lives. The Bible also teaches us something about love when it comes to the last days. And by the way, let me tell you, I believe that we're living in the last days. I can stand on firm ground because I believe the last days started when Jesus went back to heaven. When he said, I'm going back to heaven, I'm coming back again. When he gave that promise, there was a clock in the Father's heart and mind that started to tick. And there's a dimension in which things are working their way toward a culmination moment when Jesus Christ will come back again. And I firmly believe, as surely as I'm standing here today, that just like Jesus came the first time, he will come the second time because he promised that he would indeed come again. And so Jesus is coming back. And the Bible gives us warning signs, gives us information about what to look for in the view of Jesus coming. One of the series that I hope to do sometime in the, in the future is a series on the end times. Would you like to have a message series on the end times? What do you look for? How do you know when times are moving toward the imminent coming of the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, Jesus gave us some indication of this in Mark chapter 24 in what's called the Olivet Discourse. It's when he was on the Mount of Olives with his disciples and they're asking him questions about the last days and Jesus speaks about the last days. Now, if anyone has the authority to speak about the last days, would you agree Jesus has the authority to speak on it? If you want to understand what the last days are all about, the first source you ought to go to is Jesus. What did Jesus say about last days? And here we find in Matthew chapter 24, verse number 3, these words. Later, Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives. His disciples came to him privately and said, Tell us, when will all this happen? What sign will signal your return and the end of the world? Jesus, how are we going to know when the world is going to come to an end? Now, all ears should be tuned to Jesus right now. Because Jesus is about to answer this question, how are we going to know? What will be the signal of your return? What will be the sign that the world is coming to an end? Notice verse number 12. Jesus gives us some indications of what will be transpiring. He says, sin will be rampant everywhere. Everybody say, check. Sin will be rampant everywhere. Well, we know that that's true. In these days, we're seeing the, 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 the continual escalation of sin in our world around us. All kinds of things being accepted that used to not be accepted at all because the Bible warned about them. And so we're living, yes, in the last days because the Bible speaks of sin being rampant everywhere. But it doesn't stop there. Jesus didn't stop there. Would you read the rest of verse number 12 with me? Let's all read together. And the love of many will grow cold. You should underline that on your notes, highlight it. Jesus said one of the signs of the last days is there's going to be, something's going to happen to love in people's hearts. That the love and commitment that they have toward one another, there's going to be a breakdown. They're going to grow cold in their love. Now the actual Hebrew word, excuse me, Greek word that's used here for cold is the word that represents that which is chilly. It was used to describe a chilly wind that blew in and chilled you. And so he's saying that in the last days, the love of people toward one another will get chilled. 
It'll become cold. And of course, when things become cold, they often become hardened as well. And so Jesus is warning us about this. The Apostle Paul picks up a similar theme in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 4, as he's describing the last days as well to Timothy. Notice his words. You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. One translation says that perilous times will come in the last days. For people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be, circle the word, what is it? Unloving and what is one of the marks of the last days, according to Paul now? People in the last days will be unloving and unforgiving they will slander would you circle that word as well they will slander others and have no self-control they will be cruel and hate what is good and then he goes on to say in verse number four they will betray their friends be reckless be puffed up with pride and love pleasure rather than God they will be unloving unforgiving they will slander others they will be cruel they will hate they will betray all these are indications of the breaking down of relationships the breaking down of love that word for for example, for slander is where we get our word diabolical from. The idea is that this whole dimension of the breaking down of love has to do with demonic entities that press in upon people and rob of love. Let me tell you something. Satan is a hater. God is love. Satan is hate. Satan is a hater. Satan likes to generate hatred and slander and unloving attitudes and, and unforgiving thoughts and resentment and bitterness and betrayal. He likes all this kind of stuff. This is the kind of stuff that Satan traffics in. And the Bible says that in the last days, Satan is going to be busy working in people's lives, trying to accomplish this agenda of robbing them, chilling them of their love. I would say that calls for us to be warned. Amen? I don't want to be subjected. I don't want to be guilty of this. I don't want to allow the trafficking of, this, trafficking of this kind of stuff inside of me. How about you? So the question is, how do we avoid this? How do we maintain love? How do we make sure that our love doesn't grow cold? It doesn't become chilly? How do we make sure that we don't become people who are unloving and unforgiving and slanderous? How do we make sure that we are not betraying people in the way that we live our lives and, and messing up relationships because we haven't learned how to walk in the love of God? How do we make sure that we avoid this? I want to talk this weekend simply about two things that you can do. Next weekend, I'll talk about two more of these things, but just two things you can do to make sure that your love stays fresh. The first thing is you have to appreciate a love life. You have to appreciate a love life. Now, as soon as I say appreciate a love life, some of you would say, well, yes, Pastor, I sure would appreciate a love life. I would appreciate having someone to love, what's the next word? Me. And most of us go through life with this deep inner desire to try to find someone or some group of people that will love us the way that we want to be loved because all of us have a desire and at some level we have a need to be loved. What I want to help you to see today is that your greatest love need is not the need to be loved. Your greatest love need is the need to love. That your greatest fulfillment in life will not be receiving love. Your greatest fulfillment in life is found in the 
giving of love. Now, of course, you have to have before you can give. You must possess before you can give away. And I'm going to talk in a moment about how you have your love needs met in your life. But most of us live with this mindset, somebody love me. Somebody fill up the love needs in my life. And we go through our entire life suffering in lots of different ways, trying to find that person or that group of people that will love us the way that we want to be loved. And what I want you to see is that God designed you not just to be a receiver of love, but God designed you to be a giver of love. God wants you, and I mean this in the, in the most holy sense, and understand it as I'm going to say it, God wants you to be a lover. He wants you to learn how to be a lover to other people. And when we live our lives searching for, with this, this intense need to be loved on a human level, there are a lot of different problems that will come up. And I've given you there on your notes, if, if you'll fill in with me as we go through this part of the teaching, four things that will happen to you, four consequences if you go through life with this high driving need to be loved by human beings around you. First of all, it's going to lead you to lots of bad decisions. If you have this emotional neediness in life, you will not have good judgment because you will make judgments out of the basis of your need rather than the basis of what is wise. And there are a lot of people that have made bad decisions because they made decisions out of the neediness they had for somebody's love. The second consequence of a driving need to be loved is it will make you vulnerable to unhealthy relationships. When you have this driving unhealthy need to be loved and be accepted by people, let me tell you what will happen. It's like hanging a sign around your neck saying, all unhealthy people come to me. Because when you have this need, it attracts unhealth. Because it's unhealthy in you, and because it's unhealthy in you, it has an attraction to unhealthy people. And so many relationships in life end up being very unhealthy because you have two people who are desperately wanting to be loved, and they're unhealthy in their own heart, and what happens is you mix together the dysfunction. Let me tell you, dysfunction plus dysfunction equals bad dysfunction. Right? And that's where a lot of our relationships are. I need you to love me. I need it so desperately. And the other person feels the same thing. And so there's always this battle going on. That leads to the third point, the consequence, if you will, of a driving need to be loved. It keeps you angry and frustrated because of disappointed expectations. Because nobody, listen closely, on a human level, no one will ever be able to love you the way you want to be loved. As loving as a person might be, and we all should strive to be loving, I'll talk more about that in a moment, but as loving as people may be, no one will ever be able to love you perfectly. And so if you're always living with this driving need to be loved, this emotional neediness in life, it sets you up to be frustrated and disappointed because you're always expecting someone to meet a need and the needs are never met. At the fullest level. And so there are a lot of angry people in our world that if you drill down to the reality of what's going on with their anger, the reality is they're just disappointed and frustrated because they're not being loved the way they believe they ought to be loved. And the fourth thing that will happen to you if you have a driving need to be loved is you'll, it'll just drive you crazy. You know why? Because it just keeps you in turmoil on the inside, doesn't it? It just keeps you all upset internally. And the healthiest place that you can ever be in life is a place where you're not focused on being loved, but your focus is on loving. Let me show you why and how this works and why this is important and how you get to this point. 
It's not a point that you get to overnight. It's a point that you grow into over time in your relationship with God, but you have to be in pursuit of that. The only one that will ever love you the way you need to be loved is God. That's the only one that can ever love you. The only one that can truly fill up the love needs that you have in your life is God. No other human being will ever be able to fulfill your love needs. And if you don't develop a relationship with God where you learn to go to Him and tap into the supply of His love, you will be just like I described there. That's how you will live your life. Now, am I saying that we don't need people? No, I'm not saying that at all. I'm grateful for people. I'm glad for people that love me and pour into my life. And I'm glad for the opportunity to be able to pour into other people's lives. We value people, and it's important to have loving people in your life. What I'm telling you is that the greatest people, the most loving people in your life, can never feel, fill up the, the bottomless pit of love needs that you have. Only God, who is the all-sufficient God, can fill up your bottomless pit of love needs. Because God is almighty. He's sufficient for everything. And what I want to remind you of today, and I hope that I can help you at least move a little bit further down the road of experiencing the love of God, I want you to know that God Almighty, the creator of the ends of the earth, the God and Father of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, He knows you and He loves you. He loves you with a love that you cannot understand or comprehend. He knows everything about you. He knows every sin you've ever committed. He knows every, every mistake you've ever made. He knows your foibles. He knows your, your warts. He knows everything about you. There's not a single thing about you that surprises God. Not at all. But what I want you to know as well is that even knowing all that He knows about you, He loves you perfectly. And He will never forsake you. He will never leave you. He will not reject you. Isn't that good to know? And so you're safe in the arms of God's love. And the more that you and I can lean into that love, the more that you and I can receive of that love, the more that you and I can drink in of that love daily and have our love needs met by a Father God that loves us, the less dependent we are upon the, the ups and downs, the vicissitudes of human emotion that go on around us and the relationships of people around us. Oh yes, we still have to deal with them. And yes, there's still pain involved in those kinds of things. But we must learn how to lean into the love of God because the Bible says God is love. God is love. And as you move down your journey and your relationship with God, you're going to become so much more healthy in every aspect of your life when you become more secure in the love of God. Let's look at the Bible and see what it says about this. 1 John chapter 3. Now, by the way, if you want a good study in the love of God, read the book of 1 John. It's a great study in the, book of, in, the, in, the, in the love of God. 1 John 3, verse 18. Dear children, that's us, okay? Let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. Our actions will show that we belong to the truth, so we will be confident when we stand before God. And so here's what God says. God says, as I love on you, as I pour my love into you, it's not meant to stay in you. It's meant to come through you out to others. And so what happens is this. When you and I depend upon God as our source of love, then we actually become a vessel, a channel, a vehicle of love to other people around us so that we can be an extension of God's love to the world. 
That when people encounter us, they're able to encounter some of God's love. And whose responsibility is it to be loving? The Bible says that we, each one of us, are given the responsibility personally to choose to love. As we receive love freely, we're, cho- we're called to give it. 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 11. Dear friends, again, he's talking to us. Let us continue to do what? Love one another. For love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God showed how much He loved us by sending His one and only Son into the world so that we might have eternal life through Him. This is real love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, read the rest with me, we surely ought to love each other. The Bible says this love that God has for you as it fills up your life, again, it's not just meant for you to be a container that carries it around for your own benefit, but to take that love and now pour it out to those around you. 1 John 4, 17 through 19. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. How do you know that you're growing in your relationship with God? The Bible says as as we live in God, what happens to our love? It grows more perfect. And so how do you know that you're maturing as a believer? One of the ways that you know that you're moving toward maturity is you have a greater capacity to love than you had before. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment. We can face Him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we're afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced His perfect love. We love each other because He first first love us. So in you and through you. Say it together with me. In you and through you. Everybody together. In you and through you. The the love of God where? In you and the love of God what? Through you. So if you and I are going to avoid the coldness, the loss of love in our life, we have to make a decision to appreciate love, not just by getting it. Yes, that's important. Getting it from God in us but also giving it, giving it to other people. Let me say one more thing before I move to the next point. Sort of ties into what we were talking about a few moments ago when I sort of laid out the foundation of today's message. When you stop loving, when your love grows cold, when you stop loving, you practically start, stop living. Because the joy of life is really love. And I've watched people over the years. I've been a pastor for a long time now. I've been preaching God's Word for close to 37 years. And I've watched people over the years when they allowed something to get in their heart that caused their, their, their love to grow cold. And it's not pretty what happens to our soul. We shrink on the inside. We shrivel up on the inside. When we stop giving love, very dangerous, troublesome things happen internally. Dear one, can I appeal to you this morning? In the love and mercy of Jesus Christ, don't let anything make your love grow cold. Don't let any chilly wind blow into your life that robs you of the capacity and willingness to love. Don't let the demons of hell traffic around your heart and mind that would keep you from taking the love that God has for you and giving it to others. Why? Because the end result is destruction and difficulty and pain in your own soul and in your own life. Here's our second point today. 
if you and I are going to avoid being chilled in our love, to have our love refreshed, we have to assess our love levels. To assess means to evaluate. That's all it means. And sometimes personal evaluations are important, aren't they? Why do you need a personal evaluation? Well, it shows you where you are, right? Gives you your understanding of where you are right now and maybe where you need to grow at. And so evaluations help us to understand where we are in the process of needing to grow. And Jesus gave us a personal evaluation, a personal test where we can evaluate where we are in our love life, okay? So here's your personal evaluation given by Jesus. It's found in Mark chapter 12, beginning in verse number 29, down through verse 31. Why don't we all read together? All the folks in Frederick Gaithersburg, let's read this aloud and loudly. You know it well, but let's read it. Here we go from the New Living Translation uh, all together. Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind and all your strength. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, stop there for a moment. This next part I want you to read very, very uh, authoritatively and firmly. Here we go. No other commandment is greater than these. Let's read that again. No other commandment is greater than these. Who said that? Jesus said that. So if Jesus said no other commandment is greater than these, then we better pay attention to what the commandment is, right? And here it is. One, one, one man asked Jesus one day, of all the commandments, what is the greatest? And Jesus said, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, He's one. And you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. That is, love starts with God. That's where it starts. That's what I was talking about a few moments ago. You can't start with love with somebody else. You start love with God. That's where love originates. That's where you can't catch the flow of love for your life and you receive the flow of love into your life. God is the one to be loved. He should be the focus of your first and primary affections. He should be number one. Your desire to please Him should be a desire that, that ranks above anything else in your life. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Why? Because that's the way He loves you. He loves you with all of His being, so He's simply asking you to love Him back in the same way that He loves you. And He becomes then the source and the resource for every other dimension of love in your life. So love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. So can I ask you this morning, are you loving God? Are you in love with God? Are you, are you stoking the passions of love in your heart for God? Are you giving Him all that you have, at least to the best of your ability and the power of the Holy Spirit to grow in your love for Him? And then he says you're to love your neighbor as yourself. Now sometimes we think of that as just a one-part thing. We think about it loving our neighbor. But the Bible says love your neighbor as what? You can't love another person if you hate yourself. If you're hating you, then guess what? You're going to hate other people also. Now, many people get confused when they hear that phrase, loving yourself. They get this idea, well, oh, self-love, that's a bad thing. Or self-love, it's sort of like looking in the mirror and saying, wow, man, you're amazing. Okay. Whoa, awesome. Nobody like you. Okay. No, it's not what Jesus is talking about at all. 
That's not loving yourself. That's called P-R-I-D-E, okay? It's pride, vanity, okay? That's not loving yourself. That's being a fool, okay? <laughs> Let me explain to you what loving yourself is all about. When you love yourself, it means you value your life. That's all it means. It means you value your life, and because you value your life, you're not going to do anything self-destructive. When you Listen, if you value your life, you, you're not going to do anything to destroy your life, correct? And the decisions you make, if you love yourself, that means you value the life God has given you as a gift from God. It is your life. It belongs to you. It's a gift from God that you'll give an account for one day. And so you refuse all self-destructive attitudes. You, res- you refuse all self-destructive behavior. You seek, if you will, to let nothing into your life that, it, that will weaken or diminish the life God has given you. And so when it says, love your neighbor as yourself, it means when you focus on yourself, value the life God has given you and don't do anything to yourself that is destructive to who you are, that will weaken who you are, that will diminish the gift of life God has given to you, right? You live your life with that kind of wisdom. So you love your neighbor as yourself, but notice this, you love God, you love self, and then you love your neighbor, you love others. And to love others, very simple. If loving yourself is to value your life and to refuse any kind of self-destructive attitudes or behaviors if to love yourself means you let nothing into your life that weakens or diminishes your life and if you love your neighbor what does that mean it means that you value their life it means that you will not do anything destructive to them It means that you will not do anything that weakens who they are. That you will not do anything that will diminish their life. That your commitment is to bless, not curse. Your your commitment is to build up and not to destroy. That that's the idea that love is always looking for the valuing. Because, listen, every human being is valuable. Every human being is equal in the sight of God and every human being is valuable in the sight of God. And God says, when you love me and you learn how to value yourself the way I value you, then I want you to take that same value and apply it to every human being that you interact with. Love your neighbor as yourself. Value the life and the gift of life, not just in you, but value the gift of life that I placed in other people around you. Don't tear down, build up. Don't curse, bless. Make sure that you're loving. So can I ask you, how are you doing? How, how, do you, how, do you, how do you evaluate yourself here? Are you doing okay? On a scale of 1 to 10, where are you in terms of loving God and properly valuing yourself and properly valuing others? I don't ask you that question to somehow make you feel guilty. I ask it because it puts us on a roadmap of growth for our lives to begin to say, you know what, there's some growth that I need in these areas. Now, as I wrap up, let me just sort of wrap up with this, this, this final thought here. I want to leave you with this this weekend, and we'll pick up here next weekend. In a, on a practical level, what stops you from loving other people? What stops you from valuing other people? Very practical here. What causes people's love to grow cold? There are a number of things that will cause your love to grow cold if you let it stay in your heart. First of all, some kind of painful event that happens can cause you to stop loving. 
They're people that go through painful things in their life and they decide, I'm just not going to love anymore. Sometimes it's a, it's a hurt that happens, a, a, an event that occurs with you, an offense that transpires. Maybe it's a betrayal that happens in your life. Maybe it's a disappointment that you had in a relationship. You expected something and something else came or didn't happen the way you thought it should happen. And so you form an offense inside of you. And so it begins to chill out your love. Maybe it was an inattention. Maybe you thought someone should have given you more attention than they gave you. And so because they didn't attend to you the way you felt you should be attended to, then you formed an offense in your heart. And because of that, the love, love has grown cold. Maybe it's just because you're selfish. You've all, all you think about is you. And you don't really cons- think about the other people around you. And that selfishness, selfish ambition and selfishness can cool your love for other people. I don't know what it is in your life, but what I would suggest that you do if you feel like that your love has grown cold in a marriage, if your love has grown cold in a relationship, if your love has grown cold to God, to stop for a moment and say, God, would you help me to understand what I've let into my life that has caused this to happen. Because the greatest thing that we'll ever do, the Bible says there are three things that remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. There is nothing greater than love. And so when love gets compromised in your life, it's, it's one of the key characteristics of making your life healthy and making your life whole. So we're going we're gonna to time out right there. Everybody good? You got the two points today? Who loves you? How much does he love you? Come on, I'm waiting for the answer. You ever do that with your kids? I love you this much. He loves you that much and more. Because he loves you. His love can be in you. And once his love is in you, he wants his love to come through you. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for speaking to us. We ask that you'll take this message today and apply it deeply to our hearts. God, we want to thank you first and foremost for the fact that you love us with an incredible love, that you don't ask us to do something that you have not already done for us. You love us with a love that was demonstrated by Jesus Christ going to the cross and dying for for our sins. And today we want to be recipients in a new and fresh way of the love of God to know that we are deeply loved by you. And I pray also, Lord, for where there have come things in our life that have chilled out our love, that have caused us to maybe allow hardness or whatever it might be in our heart. God, whatever is there, we ask you to begin to root those things out so that love will not only be in us, but love will flow through us for the glory of God, for the advance of your kingdom. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Hi, I'm Pastor Dale O'Shields. I want to thank you for listening to our broadcast of Practical Living. I trust it was a blessing to you, and I trust that you're growing in your spiritual journey. Or perhaps you've never even started your spiritual journey, and today this is your opportunity to make a decision to move forward, getting to know Jesus Christ, letting Him have control of your life. See, the Bible says of Jesus that He stands at the door and knocks, and if anyone will hear His voice, you can open that door and let Him in. If you've never invited Jesus Christ into your life, today is the day that you need to do it. In fact, I'm going to lead you in a prayer right now. If you'll pray this prayer sincerely with all your heart, mean it with all your heart, Jesus Christ will come into your life. Repeat this prayer after me. Say these words. Say, Jesus, I know that I am a sinner and I'm sorry for all the things I've done wrong in my life. I believe in you. I believe you are God's Son, the Savior of the world, that you died for me and rose again. Just simply tell Jesus, I believe in you. Now open up your heart and say, Jesus, come into my life. By faith, I receive you as my Savior, my Lord, in Jesus' name. 
Now, if you prayed that prayer with me just then, sincerely, I want you to know something. Jesus heard it, and He saved you. You're a new creation in Christ. You get a brand new start in your journey with God. But now you have to grow. You have to learn what it means to be a follower of Jesus every day. And so we want to help you get started. And we have some resources available on our website that will do so called New Beginnings. So check them out. And again, I want to thank you for being a part of today's broadcast. If you've prayed with a pastor today and made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, we have some resources for you on our website. Just go to www.church-redeemer.org slash newbeginnings.